Good morning. It's a honor, a privilege, very sobering to stand before you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we continue our worship, may you truly be honored. We do pray for Pastor and Ruthie as they continue on home. We pray it's been a, a sweet, wonderful time for them. Bless this time, Lord. Thank you that we can share in the Lord's Supper in just a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we live in a crazy world. Have you heard that before? I, I think I start off the same way every, every time. But it's true, isn't it? Look at Genesis 6, 11. This, guys, this is 19 pages into the scriptures. Out of, in my Bible, it's 1,784 pages. But just 19 pages in, we have this verse of scripture. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. 19 pages in, it was like that. So we know what it's like now. We understand that. All events were leading up to the coming Savior, and since Christ, all events have led to his return. Each generation is a single link in a chain that is long, very long. Now, you hear that in microevolution, you hear the, the chain analogy. Uh, we exist in one time period. But I'm not using that. But it is, we are in this time in our life and we are fortunate we have four generations one family with us that's pretty amazing but you know your generation I'm just asking you this question are you doing your part as a link occupier is that a good question anyway are you doing your part as a link occupier does any of you old folks remember the uh, the old show that was on TV, boy, it's been many, many years ago, You Are There. We've used it in Truth Seekers. Well, we're going to take a journey. We're going to take a little bit of a journey. Uh, back in 1937, eight, 86 years ago, there was a book published in Germany by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called The Cost of Discipleship. Now, Hitler had already established his rule he was a dictator. He was thought he was God himself in a sense. So the German people were in the midst of all of that. And I'm not, I'm, he didn't write this book. Dietrich didn't write this book as a slam against Hitler, the Nazis, or any of that. It's going to be very unique to find out he wrote who he wrote it for. It was against cheap grace. He wrote that book and had it published. It was about cheap grace. Dietrich saw a huge breaking away of so-called believers in Germany. So many churches and so many people in those churches turned away from what they had said they believed and bought into a cheap grace. They compromised the commitment to Christ, their dedication to Christ, the errancy, inerrancy and total authoritative word of God for the sake of convenience and hope of a future Germany 
with national pride and prosperity here on earth. They buckled under to that Nazi belief system in droves and it broke his heart. He was heartbroken because when he made the call, pastors that will stand with me against this, let me know who you are. And there were very few responses. He knew that the proper view of God and his grace were answers to all of Germany's problems, but that God wasn't being sought. It has to be for us as well. We will always have the unbelievers with us, won't we? You know, uh, Carl, he kind of stole some of my thunder last week. He used a section of scripture that I'm going to use again. It's used often. Romans chapter 3, verses 9, 9b through 18. God inspired Paul to pull from several Psalms, at least one proverb, at least one section of, of Isaiah, one place in J- Jeremiah, and a thought in Luke, another gospel. Put all that together to say this. This is who mankind is. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So where in the world is the hope? It's in what I said we would speak about this morning. Costly grace. This book that he wrote was the difference between costly grace and the cheap grace that everyone was reaching for. So how do we counter that? What do we see as costly grace? Look at these sections of scripture. Ephesians 1, 18 through 21 says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might. And he worked that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And one more section, first Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks of you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. What a tremendous difference in the scripture about lost. When we're lost, we do not seek God. We don't even have the ability to. No one will seek him. But when Christ calls through the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God calls, we answer. Suddenly, Our minds are open, our hearts are open, our eyes see correctly. It's an amazing transformation that takes place. It is so sweet. We know who has called us and saved us. We acknowledge the integrity of the triune God, the integrity of the Bible, the integrity of the scriptures. Our integrity as believers are intact by doing that. I'm I'm leading to something. Uh, Trust me. 
We're headed there. So compromise or turning back, no matter how shrill the sound or the voice, how determined, how imposing, how threatening, the opposition is we do not back down. Now, it sounds like I'm sure that I'm heading toward a place of talking about the current political situation or the current ideologies that are out there. They are shrill and they're loud and they're... And it's part of the amazing, crazy world in which we live. But I'm not going there. We'll always have that. Look at it. It was 19 pages in my scriptures until we hit where God said, everything's wrong. Everything's bad. People are no good at all. And so the flood came. Here we are again. Same type of situation. But he knows that and he knew that. So where am I going? Like Dietrich, many of us, See the threats to costly grace coming from a so-called Christian viewpoint. The health and wealth movement and the charismatic movement. Both of those are so alive. I won't say they're well, but they're growing so rapidly, not only in our country, But through many parts of the world, people will say Christianity is exploding in certain parts of the world. And true Christianity, praise God, let it explode. But many places, it's the cheap grace message. And it is cheap. It's so cheap, it's not even grace. The last many weeks, uh, Paul, the lesser, and Justin, the just, have shared with us in adult education many, many weeks' worth of what I'm just speaking of, this uh, charismatic movement and the health and wealth, and there's other names for them. You know what they look like or sound like. The the world is being sucked into this cheap grace. Uh, These movements are about power and wealth. Think about it a moment. Everything you see on the news, as you look at it today, if you get on whatever news app you get on, look and see how many things deal with power and wealth. It it is amazing. You just attach those two things to it, and it's most everything, most everything. But it's not new. Let me share with you one verse of Scripture. I'm not one verse, but uh, eight verses. I didn't have it put on the screen so just listen if you will it's a very familiar section out of the gospel of john chapter 12 verses 1 through 8 six days before the passover jesus therefore came to bethany where lazarus was who jesus had raised from the dead so they gave a dinner for him there martha served and lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table well i can't imagine the joy the wonder at that table as Jesus looked across everyone else looked across and saw Lazarus healthy enjoying the meal and he'd just been dead days before it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that but listen Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume but Judas Iscariot, 
one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what, he, what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So it was even back then. What was uh, Judas excited about? Power, being with the, the healer that was going around healing everyone, and money. Well, this cheap grace individual met with his demise soon after that. Grace means unmerited favor. Get that. Grace means unmerited, unearned. You can't do anything to get it, but it is favor from God. Those of us who know him, we know what that looks like because we know ourselves. I know a number of you fairly well. I know who you are. I know the struggles many of you have had. And I know that no one in here is sinless. Many of you know me intimately. And you know my sins also. So we know as believers what unmerited favor is. These movements swerve from costly grace to a cheap grace designed by men for man's own uplifting. And just as Justin shared with us this morning, you get letters in the mail, as we do, and Nancy's sometimes amazed how quickly I look at them. They go right into the trash can. I don't even honor them with opening them. Some are worthy, but many, or most are not. But it's for man's own uplifting. Christ's salvation is freely given by grace to us. And he needs no help from us. Let me read to you from from Dietrich's book where he contrasts or talks about costly grace. You know, this guy, he was super intelligent. Uh, This was when he was 31 years old this was published. He he was an academic. He taught in universities. Uh, He was such an intellect. He was... So serious in his pursuits of things. So he and I would have had nothing in common. Plus he spoke German. He knew English. I wouldn't have known any German. So we wouldn't have nothing in common. But he has become one of my favorite Christian heroes because of his belief system. We know the same Savior. Suddenly all those other things fall away. He's my friend. And he's never met me. This is what he says. Such grace is costly, but because it causes us to follow. And it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it cost a man his life. And it's grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son 
quote, you were bought at a price, unquote. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of Christ. It's a sanctuary of God. It has to be protected from the world and not thrown to the dogs. It is therefore the living word, the word of grace, which speaks as it pleases him. Costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. Grace is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, quote, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we trust this wonderful, beautiful, costly grace. And we condemn the cheap grace that's being pandered in so many places. Those who were in the class this morning, you saw the cheap stuff being pandered and sold. And what's just so disheartening is seeing these, these vast audiences, huge buildings. Looks like there's no place for anyone else to sit it's in there listening, paying attention. Heads going like this, like on cue. That's hard to take. I'm going to read a number of scriptures here in a row. So let's... There's no better place to read, is there? So let's go together. First Peter 1, 18 through 21. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood of Jesus, of Christ, I mean, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now let's go way forward. Or maybe not way forward, but forward. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. This is futuristic, Jesus. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. Costly grace. And one of the key ones for today is 1 Corinthians 7, 22 through 23. For he who was, who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called, is a bondservant of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. Do not become bondservants of cheap grace. What a thing for Paul to say. Paul, very proud Jewish man. A lot like Dietrich was. Intelligent, an academic, brilliant man. Yet he finds himself later as he writes his letters. I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. How this costly grace can change us. So special. And of course, you, you all know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. 
It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. These movements are overflowing with boasting and pompous proclamations. Um, I would be scared, frightened to death to say some of the things that some of these false preachers say, bringing praise upon themselves. So it says in Jeremiah 9.24, and you know it well, but I'll read it to you. Um, if I can find it. But let him boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, and I am Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So costly grace cannot be man bestowed. We cannot add anything. My first response to these people in many of the classes was anger, frustration, all those kinds of feelings. And uh, some of them, I felt like I wanted to do what Hitler had done to Dietrich when he had a radio, a weekly radio broadcast. He had warned him several times to stop saying what he was saying, but he wouldn't. So as he, st- as he started one on a certain day, the plug was pulled and power was taken away from that radio station so he no longer had a, a way to say what he wanted to say. So I thought many times I would have liked to have been able to come up behind someone as he's saying these things and pull the plug. But it should be, this should be our response. It should be compassion, a desire to correct them and confront them, but all in love. Let us first maintain the integrity of our own faith, the teachings and trainings in our own homes. And here is a DBC church family. Never, never can we fall prey to cheap grace. It's got to be a very costly grace. It's not for us when we have to pay a thing. I remember distinctly when it came to me. And if you're like me, you have no reason, no understanding of why God, through his spirit, would come calling. But he did. And that's the only way that it occurs. Let us not be found wanting if he were to return within the hour, let us not say, man, I wish I'd have been more ready. You know, as I was sitting over there, I started reflecting back on the last several months and times where the Spirit of God had to correct my life, bring me to confession. There's some sins that plagued me all my life. Selfishness and pride and all, you know, you know them all. They're not new to you. They're not new to me. But it's it's obvious to me there's nothing I can do to add to it. So that gives me great comfort. But if I did believe I could pay some money or 
make say certain words or believe in my own power here on earth to to do certain things I would be very confused because I would not know how much to go how far to go when to go when to say how much to say but when we're restricted to the word of God we say this is our this is our life what this word says we glean from it what we need to say it's just easier it's easier for us it's easier so much easier it makes it so easy for us by by being costly grace I said look I paid the price I did it all it's yours because I'm calling you to it it's not yours because you can buy it or you can say certain things or do certain things but we are of all people most blessed so let us be the saltiest of salt we're supposed to be salt and light and so I said let us be the saltiest of salt and the blinding lights of of truth in this world Satan will use the totally depraved but he also uses greatly the willingly fooled and that's what's frightening we may have extended family members who are caught in the charismatic movement or the health and wealth uh, movement and it breaks our hearts and it should we need to witness to them and if they do know Christ as Savior they'll let you know that and they'll prove that to you by their life by their words you know the scripture where it says my spirit bears witness with your spirit it's an amazing thing when you meet someone new uh, I remember a guy at work uh, Sam remembering Al left which uh, he worked out in the field I had worked at Greater Beckley I'm not Greater Beckley Beckley Water for very long and the guys would come in from time to time that were out working out in the field and I'd meet them and I met, met this young guy and we talked for just a little bit well I'd say young guy he's retired now too but we, I don't know which one of us said something spirit, of a spiritual nature we quickly just asked each other are you a Christian are you a believer yeah, and we just gave each other the, the biggest hug and that's happened before but it's, a, it's amazing how barriers fall so quickly when you're meeting someone new when you find out they're a brother or sister in Christ it's just so special but Satan does use the willingly fooled so let's never be willingly fooled let us be, find, found, be found doing his bidding and our, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's always trust in costly grace. Okay, let's pray. Father, I never know how long this is going to take. Uh, I'm not good enough at it to time it just right. And I know, as I was talking to John Sharp earlier, that we don't have a set time. There's a traditional time period most churches have but it's not like it would have been in the early days Jesus you would have taught many times for hours and held people spellbound so it's, it's not really the time issue as I just shared today what's been on my heart for several several weeks uh, when we first started uh, when Paul had uh, 
the series that John MacArthur did. It was recorded in his church on the charismatic movement. The amount of scripture that is in place within the word that we have now that we don't need any more, but so much more is added today. So much has been added to the scriptures and so much has been taken away. That's so sad. So heartbreaking. You've given us your book. You've inspired men in councils to affirm, yeah, this will be our book. And praying that the Spirit of God would change their hearts and minds if need be, but it, they weren't and they aren't. So we claim this, and it is sufficient. Your costly grace is sufficient. As we do have opportunity to confront friends or relatives or just people we meet that may be involved in cheap grace, we may really emphasize the costly grace by which we have come to know you. It hasn't cost us anything, but it costs you greatly and continues to. Lord, we look forward to, I know, especially those of us who are older believers, it's not hard for us now to say we look forward to the kingdom. Uh, we've lived most of our lives. We've grown up, gone through school, married, had children. Maybe many of us in here have grandchildren. We're enjoying their lives and seeing them grow. We love them and we want Christ to come to them. And But... There's really no problem for me to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, I know from going from 1951 to this, this time, today, this is not my home. I don't belong here. None of us who are believers belong here. This is where we are until you come get us. You want us to do your will. You want us to be light and salt in this world. So help us always to be that. We pray if there are people in our surrounding areas that are looking for a church home, one where the word will be rightly divided, we pray you would lead them here, not for the numbers, but that they would hear truth. And may all of us, everyone in here that's a believer, that's a part of this church family, Hold the elders accountable. Hold our feet to the fire to always maintain integrity, the integrity of the scriptures here in our teaching. Lord, it's, a, it's an honor to be in a place where the word is rightly divided. And it's never been more clear to me than in the last several weeks in these two adult education classes that we've been able to uh, learn so much from and be reminded of so many things in these last several weeks. So Lord, we pray you would bless our, the rest of our day as we look forward two weeks from today to enjoying Resurrection Sunday, the power of that day. We love Christmas. We enjoy Christmas. It seems like it's plastered over everything for several weeks before it comes up to Christmas Day, and many don't even really even know the real reason that we have it. 
but believers do, we celebrate the beautiful, wonderful birth of our Savior, that you finally came to grow up, minister, and die and rise again for us. But that's what we celebrate the most as believer. believers is what's been come to be called Easter, but as a better term as the Resurrection Sunday, the, the day that you went on the cross for us, bled out for us, every drop of blood cleansing believers from sins once and for all. And then rising again, you met with people, and then on the right time, you went back to be with the Father until you will come again. We praise you for these beautiful truths. We can share them here. Be with us as we share in the time of uh, the Lord's Supper, as we call communion. May each of us now go into our hearts and our minds and become blameless before you, confessing any sin that is there that we know of, becoming blameless before you. As we finish up with the Lord's Supper, we thank you for a beautiful day in which to worship you. I pray for anyone in here that may not know you as Savior, that this would be the day they would heed your call. If you call them, they will listen. The call is irrevocable, and that is beautiful. When you call, we are called permanently forever, and that is so sweet. So call someone if you so desire this day and the days to come. We pray for people who would enjoy being here and cannot. Bless them, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.